Javier Baez will bat left-handed for the first time. We've told the story before. He's left-handed. He does everything lefty except play baseball. Until now. <laughs> Fly ball to center. Welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pony. Giuseppe feeling it inside the 15 and he gets one block and he's gone. gone and he is gone taking it the distance wow. for the touchdown is Sheehy Giuseppe no on flags. a terrific special teams play and now Freddie can smile because he has seen all of the units <laughs> do their thing. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me. I'm the Pody. You're listening to episode 62 of This Week in Sports. And it is Friday, August 9th, 2019, as I sit here and watch a little Yankees, a little Mets. There's a little bit of everything going on. There's some NFL preseason action going on right now. We had a slate of games yesterday as well that I will get to in just a couple of minutes. But we're going to jump right in. Um, we've got some things to talk about in baseball, of course. We've got some things to talk about in the NBA, if you can believe it. It is the offseason, but um, there's never a beat missed when it comes to sports. So there's going to be a lot that we get to. Still some stuff going on with Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon holding out there. Tiger Woods had issues today. Just a whole slate of issues, of topics to get to, okay, and we're going to jump right in, starting with the NFL, and we begin with Tom Brady. Earlier in the week, he agreed to a contract extension with the New England Patriots, unfortunately for Jets fans, for, uh, for Dolphins fans, for Bills fans, for really NFL fans that are not Patriots fans, for everybody that is not a Patriots fan, we will have to suffer and endure a couple more years at least of Tom Brady. The extension is as follows. Two years, $23 million. The deal will take him through the 2021 season, okay? Um, so that's that on Tom Brady. You know, the TB12 method continues, although he did say he gained about 20 pounds, I believe, or so in this past offseason and in the spring leading up till now because he wanted to be able to endure and you know brace those those quarterback hits that he's going to take from time to time. Okay, with that being said, the Raiders, we saw the debut of Hard Knocks while well, the Raiders Las Vegas Stadium that they are currently constructing which is set to finish up quite soon as they are going to be set to take over that stadium and move to Vegas for next season 2020 the stadium will now be called Allegiant Stadium which is in partnership with Allegiant Travel Company which again is a Las Vegas based company and it is the parent company of Allegiant Air which you may or may not have heard of um, we'll get into a little bit of hard knocks in a bit I've got a lot of explaining to do on Antonio Brown. There's a lot of stuff going on with that, but let's hold off for just a bit so I can dive deeper into that after I get through some of this stuff. The Colts, they have claimed former Texans running back Deontay Foreman. 
Uh, Foreman was recently cut by the Texans on Sunday, and he signed with the Colts a day later. He was drafted back in 2017 in the third round. He's a bigger, bulkier uh, running back, more of like a goal line type running back or third down type back. Okay, punch it into the end zone, vulture type guy. Um, he's been injury prone the last couple of seasons. Tough injury in um, his rookie season in week 11. He tore his Achilles and he really hasn't been the same. So really what this stems from is uh, Foreman apparently had some um, timing issues, some absences in training camp. According to um, word out of Houston, he had trouble getting to team meetings on time. So yeah, I'll, again, I'll get into hard knocks in a bit, but we know we we know you're trying to make a roster, okay, and you're not complying, you're not showing up on time. There is always somebody else to take your place. This is a business, okay, and they're not just going to give a handout because you've been on the team before and you were drafted, okay. Um, so let's talk real quick about the Arizona Cardinals. Michael Crabtree, they signed him to a one-year deal. It is um, Crabtree's 11th year in the league he'll be entering. Wow. Um, and he's 32, so veteran veteran guy. Um, we all know what Crabtree is capable of. He's been in the league a while. Okay, now we could talk about the Ezekiel Elliott situation that I mentioned. Okay, word earlier this week was that Ezekiel Elliott is willing to hold out all season long. His reps made it clear that he will not play in 2019 without a new contract. So the latest report said it's not likely that the holdout will last long into the regular season. Jerry Jones definitely doesn't seem too concerned. He said, just know that like so many things, it'll happen it'll happen. So Jerry Jones, he's always been a talker. He's not really one to um, to shy away from the media, but he said that he is very confident that it is going to happen and that they will sign him eventually. But um, we have some more bad news really for the Cowboys. Defensive end Robert Quinn, he fractured his hand and will need surgery. The injury occurred on Tuesday in practice during a one-on-one -on -one drill against left tackle Tyron Smith. The Cowboys were hopeful that he could return for week one, except big problem. Not only will he not return for week one, but he won't return by week two either because he was just suspended two games for violating the league's substance abuse policy. His agent did take to Twitter today to voice his displeasure, saying he has a history of seizures, which requires preventative uh, medication daily. Although the subject of the test failure was a substance called probenicid, which is prescri prescribed to prevent gout. So I don't know what those two things have in common, but um, yeah, it's not going to fly with the NFL and he's going to have to sit out two games. Uh, the Pro Bowl, it looks like the Pro Bowl is no longer going to be played in Hawaii. We're always used to the Pro Bowl being played in Hawaii, but for the past couple of seasons, Honolulu, the last couple of seasons, we have seen the Pro Bowl moved to Orlando, Florida in 2016, to be precise. That's when it was, um, it was moved to Orlando, and Orlando was just awarded its fourth straight 
Pro Bowl. And what's funny about Orlando is that you're probably thinking they don't even have an NFL stadium. Well, that is correct. They don't, but they do have the Camping World Stadium, which is where I believe they play in the they play the Camping World Bowl in college football. That's one of the bowls. Um, speaking of the Patriots, let's get back to them. Uh, Josh Gordon, he has applied for his reinstatement, but just know that because he applied by applying for reinstatement, it doesn't mean we will see him suit up anytime soon. This was just the first step he had to make towards that eventual return. And if he gets on the field at some point this season, it is a huge win for the Patriots because beyond Julian Edelman, this is one of the bleakest wide receiver cores in the NFL. So they could really use a guy like Josh Gordon. Okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for, it's time to talk about Antonio Brown. This is one of the most bizarre stories you'll ever hear about. So by now, you, along with everybody else, has probably seen the photo of Antonio Brown's blistered, peeling, disturbing feet that he posted to social media. Now, I don't mean to kid around, but I swear to God, when I saw this picture, it looked like the feet of a homeless man that has been shoeless just walking around the streets I mean nothing like I've ever seen before so that photo comes out and then we start the news starts to trickle in about what is going on with his feet because we know through hard knocks and whatnot he's dealing with some foot issues or a foot issue an ankle issue that's been keeping him out of camp and out of practice well the reasoning behind this behind his feet looking like they are is that Antonio Brown went into a cryogenic chamber which athletes do to help recover faster and all the scientific benefits behind it what have you he went into one of these chambers wearing the wrong uh, sh uh shoes and he got excuse me and he got extreme frostbite from doing so the Raiders must be fuming right now because not only did Antonio Brown get frostbite in a cryogenic chamber, not only did Antonio Brown fly into training camp in a hot air balloon, Antonio Brown just went into a cryogenic chamber in France because apparently the ice in the USA, in this country, isn't good enough. He had to go into a cryogenic chamber and get some cryotherapy in France, of all places. Okay, the Raiders have no timetable for his return. Not only that, Adam Schefter hit us with a bombshell this morning. Antonio Brown filed a grievance with the NFL. Okay, let's take a moment to dissect this. What is going on? This has nothing to do with his feet. This is just another layer to Antonio Brown. Okay. Antonio Brown is trying to wear the helmet that he wore a season ago with the Steelers. He wants to wear that same helmet this season with the Raiders. The NFL deemed it unsafe 
there are about 34 to 35, maybe 40 other helmets that he can choose from, and he doesn't want any of them. He wants the exact helmet that the NFL deemed unsafe. He wants it this season. Or get this, he said he will retire and he will not play in the NFL again if he cannot wear this helmet. All right, the model helmet that he's trying to wear, it's over a decade old, and it is the Shoot or Shoot Air Advantage, which, again, the manufacturer has discontinued because it's over a decade old, and NFL helmets that are, I believe, over 10 years old are, are deemed not safe anymore. Tom Brady just recently had to switch to a new helmet this season because the helmet he wore last season was too old as well. So this is nothing new, okay? And the NFL has a long-standing policy that requires all players to wear helmets that have been certified by the National Operating Committee on Standards for Athletic Equipment, otherwise known as NOCSE. And NOCSE won't certify the helmet because it is more than 10 years old. So that's that, okay? He is dead set on wearing this helmet, like I said, and it is insane to think that he is going to retire because he won't switch to a new helmet. His issue with the new helmet, which the Raiders have sent him many helmets to try to resolve this issue, okay, because this has been ongoing even before the foot issue, okay, or the feet, and I heard reports that he has gone as far as to try to sneak this helmet into practice, the one he's not supposed to be wearing. So, um, yeah, very, very weird. Um, and again, from a financial standpoint, this is bizarre because if he were to walk away from the NFL and, and retire, he'd be walking away from at least $30.125 that is fully guaranteed in his contract for the next two seasons. The Raiders would absorb about the same amount in a dead money charge, but it is possible the Raiders could simply place him on a reserve list that would absolve them from having to pay out his contract while maintaining his $14.9 million cap charge for 2019. Okay, let's react to all of this. Antonio Brown is the epitome of a diva wide receiver and quite possibly the most diva wide receiver we've ever seen. Okay, there are other wide receivers, star wide receivers. Many argue that DeAndre Hopkins has emerged himself as the number one wide receiver in all of baseball, right? I mean, in all of football, excuse me. DeAndre Hopkins is wearing a newer helmet and doing just fine. Mike Evans, Julio Jones, all these other wide receivers, Odell Beckham, they're all wearing helmets that are approved by Noxe, yet Antonio Brown said that these helmets, uh, he has trouble seeing and he can't he can't view the ball in these helmets and he's, he just can't see out of them. That's his whole reasoning behind why he wants to switch uh, excuse me, why he wants to keep this helmet from last year. I at first thought it might be, it, it might be like a, um, um, one of those things where, where he, you know, he feels that he has had so much success with this helmet that he doesn't want to give it up. But no, he claims that he simply can't see the ball in other helmets, which clearly is a joke. 
and he is just being a diva because he wants to bring as much attention to himself as possible. This is what happens when you take a sixth-round pick out of Central Michigan, a former nobody, and he becomes a superstar in this league making boatloads of money. He thinks his shit doesn't stink and that he could rule the roost and dictate whether he plays or not. Now, really, the NFL, from what I understand, wouldn't be able to do anything if he were to wear that other helmet. I think it would fall on the Raiders to discipline him. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read, which adds another wrinkle, another element to this whole thing. Um, so I don't know. Is it a superstitious thing for Antonio Brown? Like some guys don't change their socks if they're on a roll, if they're on a hitting streak. You know, some guys don't wash their jersey. Maybe it's Antonio Brown doesn't want to switch helmets because of the success he's had. Same helmet he's probably worn for the past six seasons. Six straight, 100 catch, 100 catch seasons, which is a record. Who the hell knows? But all I know is that Antonio Brown is bringing a huge distraction to the Raiders. John Gruden didn't want to take questions about it. And I can't wait for episode two of Hard Knocks to debut on Tuesday. It should be fun. Okay, so let's move on. And I'll keep you guys posted as I hear about this situation. Again, you can watch Hard Knocks every Tuesday to maybe gain a glimpse into this. Follow Adam Schefter, but I will try to keep you guys updated and give you the latest on that next week. The Browns have finally traded Duke Johnson. He was traded to the Texans yesterday for a fourth-round pick. This is what he wanted all along. He finally gets to go to a team in the Texans that was in the playoffs a year ago and that has high aspirations to win the AFC South, and he should be able to contribute uh, mightily for this offense. Okay, Miami, the Dolphins, they went out and they signed former Cardinals first-round pick Robert M. Candice. He was cut by the Cardinals on July 27th for showing up to camp out of shape. The Dolphins took a flyer on him. I uh, believe it's a one-year deal worth $1.16 million. And then they immediately placed him on the active, physically unable to perform list. Trent Williams. I want to say I reported on this last week that the Jets should go after him. The former seven-time Pro Bowler. He hasn't shown up to the Redskins training camp. Okay, he's missed, he's missed OTAs. Okay, um, mandatory minicamp and now two weeks of training camp. According to multiple sources within the Redskins organization, he has no intention of showing up anytime soon. He wants to be traded and believes he can play for many more years. Okay, it's going to be very interesting because I know the Patriots were a team that might be looking for him. I expect him to get traded in the coming weeks or released by the Redskins. Okay, um, I hope that the Patriots don't try to go out and get him. I would love to see the Jets go out and get him because new GM Joe Douglas has done a stellar job of trying to revamp and retool this offensive line that has been a huge problem for the Jets in the past couple of seasons under Todd Bowles. Um, second year quarterback Sam Darnold needs the protection. Le'Veon Bell was brought in. Best running back in football, you could argue. Okay, top three or four best running back in football, and he's going to need some holes to run through, okay? So this would be a great move, 
But if not, let's just hope he doesn't go to the Patriots. But I'll keep you guys updated on that. Next up, you have the Chiefs. They sign former Jets cornerback Mo Claiborne, who has been suspended for the first four weeks of the season for you know, violating league substance abuse policy. It's a one-year deal worth a max of up to $1.15 million. Okay, now, you heard the kick return by Damon Sheehy Giuseppe at the beginning of, at the opening, really. Okay, so this guy, if you don't know, was the, he, well, last night, okay, to recap, there was like 11 preseason games. We had the Jets and the Giants. Okay, both Sam Darnold and um, Daniel Jones looked very good. They led touchdown drives in their only uh, only drives. Okay, but then you had for the Browns, you had Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. He returned an 86-yard punt for a touchdown. This is the guy that I told you about a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. He was essentially homeless, and he's the guy that lied and talked his way into onto the team really and and was able to talk his way into a tryout by pretending to know the Browns VP of player personnel. He wowed enough at that tryout to earn a spot in training camp and then last night he was able to er, uh to earn a touchdown on that punt return. Just phenomenal. I mean unbelievable. And and to make it even more interesting, I just read before the show that the cleats he was planning to wear for that game last night, he um, misplaced them. So then he ended up wearing a pair of Odell Beckham's cleats because apparently in training camp, Odell has taken somewhat of a liking to Giuseppe. And so he gave him a pair of his cleats and said, here you go, bro. I worked these in for you. And then lo and behold, he uh, he returns the punt for a touchdown. So it's a really cool story. And we'll keep following this and see if there's any shot of Giuseppe to, um, to make this roster. And the funny thing about it is that was his first live action in a football game since his days at Phoenix College, which I believe is a junior college. It's just a crazy story how this has all panned out. So we're rooting for you, um, Damon, and we hope you can, uh, in some capacity, make this Browns team. Um, speaking of the Browns, their wide receiver, Antonio Callaway, the very talented Antonio Callaway, has been suspended for the first four games of the season for none other than violating the league's substance abuse policy. And somewhere, Stephen A. Smith is just rolling over and shaking his head right now because these guys cannot seem to stay off of the weed. Um, Callaway, if you guys remember from a season ago on Hard Knocks, he's very talented receiver out of Florida, okay? He had some issues. He failed his scouting combine drug test, testing positive for marijuana. That's what caused him first-round talent, but he dropped to, like, the fourth round or fifth round, and he had some problems in training camp uh, last year. You saw it on Hard Knocks. John Dorsey had to sit down with him, Hugh Jackson. They almost were thinking about cutting him, but they let him stay on the team. And as talented as he is, man, this is a business, and you're liable to be cut at any moment in time, as we saw on Hard Knocks with rookie Ronald Ollie, the star, one of the stars from Netflix's hit show Last Chance You, which follows guys at East Mississippi Junior College or whatever it's called. If you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. Offensive lineman. This man was cut on hard knocks because he hurt his foot and then was told to go to the trainers, and he decided not to go. 
So John Gruden said, I've had enough. And he decided to, you know what, that's it, you're done. And he cut him. And that was that. And that just proves that this is a business. They don't care about you. Undrafted or not, Ali was undrafted. He was a rookie. And it's shocking that somebody of that stature, an undrafted rookie who's a long shot to make the team anyway, would miss anything. You should be showing up hours and hours early. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, coach. Yes, ma'am. Whatever it is, doing everything you can to put 110% in and outwork the next guy in line trying to take your spot. And now Antonio Callaway, because it's the Browns, they probably won't cut him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut by any means. Um, his job is not safe. He shouldn't think it's safe, and he should really, um, he should be scared right now. Okay, uh, let's go over the other preseason games from last night really fast. There are, like I said, there's a couple games going on right now. You have the Steelers leading the Tampa Bay Bucks 13 to 10 at half, and the Minnesota Vikings are up 14 to 6 on the Saints in the second quarter. Okay, so yesterday, like like I said, excuse me, we had the Jets and the Giants. Sam Darnold started off this game 4 of 5. He was on fire. He led an opening drive touchdown, eight, uh, 68 yards. That touchdown to Jamison Crowder, he hit like a 32-yard pass to Chris Herndon, then a 29-yard pass to um, Jamison Crowder, the newly acquired slot receiver from the Redskins. And they used – Le'Veon Bell is not going to play this preseason, so he was not in there. They had Ty Montgomery. They used him in a combination running back receiver role. It looked really nice. I liked the game plan that uh, Gase was calling, and Darnold was getting the ball out quick. looked very good. And then on the flip side, you have uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants. He, for whatever reason, only played one series against second stringers for the Jets. Still, I was—I got to say, I was very impressed. Um, and I've always been a fan of Daniel Jones. I hate that he's on the Giants, of course, but I was a believer in this kid at, out of Duke. I watched his film, and he really impressed me. His ability to throw the ball, run the ball. He's a big kid. And he went 5 for 5, 67 yards, and a touchdown. The funny thing is that him and Darnold both had a perfect rating of 158.3. A little eerie there, but yes. And Eli Manning, for whatever reason, he played one series as well. I don't know why they would even risk it. Um, the Jets end up dropping this one 31-22 in the first preseason game of the season. Okay, there are some preseason games actually going on tomorrow as well to keep an eye on. You have the Bengals, Chiefs, Rams, Raiders, Cowboys, 49ers. First two games I mentioned are at 8, and the latter game is at 9. Keeps you busy throughout the weekend. But let's get back to the overall uh, couple of games that took place. Yes, a oh, couple of games. It was double-digit games. But uh, first one, we had a cool little story in the Buffalo Bills and Indianapolis Colts game. Running back for the Buffalo Bills, this kid, um, Christian Wade. He is a former, I believe, like Australian rugby player or British rugby player. Never played a down of football in his life. And on his first rushing attempt, he went 65 yards to the house for the touchdown. The Bills would win this one 24 to 16. 
Matt Barkley played the bulk of the uh, of the snaps at quarterback for the Bills. He was nine of fourteen, hundred twenty-six yards. Josh Allen six of eleven, sixty-six yards. Okay, um, for the Colts, you did not see any of um, Andrew Luck. Of course, he's still dealing with that with that injury that they are going to keep an eye on that like calf strain or whatever he's got going on there. Um, so that's that game. You saw Chad Kelly for the most part for the Colts. You had the Browns. Of course, you saw the Damon Sheehy Giuseppe um, touchdown, or you heard about it here. You also had Dwayne Haskins making his debut. He It was up and down. He completed his first pass. You could see um, why everybody was so high on him. But He has a very strong arm, can move in the pocket. But he was 8 of 14, 117 yards, and he did throw two interceptions in that one, and the Browns took it 30-10. Um, on the flip side for the Browns, you saw Baker Mayfield. He was 5 of 6, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Duke Johnson actually played, did not play in that game. Excuse me, that's another guy named uh, Dearness Johnson. Sorry, because Duke Johnson was already traded by that point. But yes, Browns win that 30-10. to You had the Patriots win 31-3 to over the Lions, and I got to shake my head because why... Does this continue to happen? Nikhil Harry was a steal at the late end of the first round at wide receiver for the Patriots, all right? Just a stud. And then, of course, Jared Stidham. How did the Patriots get this kid in the fourth round? He looked unbelievable. I mean, he really did look like somebody that could really potentially have a future in this league. So, yeah, Patriots just roll 31-3. to then you had the Falcons and the Dolphins. Dolphins win that 34-27. Falcons have now dropped their last 10 preseason games. Just shocking. You never, you didn't see Matt Ryan in this game. Um, on the flip side for Miami, you had Josh Rosen played a bulk of the snaps in this one. 13 of 20, 191 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. And Fitzpatrick, he played like five snaps. Um you had the Titans beating the Eagles 27-10. to um, You had Logan Woodside playing the bulk of the snaps for the Titans at quarterback. He looks pretty good, 126.7 QB rating, 138 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Ryan Tannehill, 12 of 1,630 yards because Ryan Tannehill is now on the Titans. For the Eagles, you saw Nate Sudfeld. You did not see any of Carson Wentz in this one. And I believe Sudfeld got really badly injured in this game. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, what else? You had the Ravens 29-0 over the Jaguars. The story behind, the, the big one behind the Ravens win is this kid, uh, this kicker for the uh, Ravens. Um, this kid is uh vedvik he he's norwegian i want to say a and um he went four of four in field goal attempts 55 45 um and then two in the 20s and his name is like kari vedvik and he's actually african-american which you don't see there are not many kickers um at all but he is a guy that obviously is not going to make the team because they have Justin Tucker, all pro. The Jets have Chandler Catanzaro in camp right now. He missed two PATs last night, and he is the only kicker in camp for the Jets, and he's been shaky. So maybe the Jets are a team that goes out 
tries to maybe trade for this kid because John, John Harbaugh said that's the thought that's the thought process. They think he's good enough to be on a team, and they think teams will trade for him. The other teams that might be in need of a kicker, obviously the Bears. We know what happened to them in the playoffs last year. They've been desperately looking for a kicker, holding open open tryouts. You also have the Packers that are looking for a new kicker, so keep that in mind as well. Okay, um... You also had the Packers 28 to 26 over the Texans. The Cardinals won 17 to 13. Uh, yeah, 17 to 13 over the Chargers. You saw the debut of Kyler Murray. Um, you could see why they're excited about him. He his pocket presence. He was um, he was. Let's see. He went six for seven for 44 yards before they pulled him out of there. You can watch the highlights. And then you had the Broncos and Seahawks. Seahawks won that one 22-14. Drew Locke was 17-29. of 29. Of course, this is their second game in the preseason. They played in the Hall of Fame game. As I look up, I see the Mets are down 5-3 to three in the ninth inning against the Nationals. This one's starting to get out of hand. Uh, on the flip side for Seattle, Pat, Patrick Lynch, who played against his former team in the Broncos, was 11-15, of 15, 109 yards and a touchdown. Russell Wilson didn't play in this game. So that wraps up preseason um, recap. That really wraps up this whole NFL segment. I'll see you guys back here next for, I guess, I guess we'll talk baseball. Let me take a quick break and see you guys back here in just a second. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Alrighty, everybody, we are back, and we will be talking baseball, and we are going to start with the Cubs placing um, Craig Kimbrell on the IL. He has knee, right knee inflammation. He's expected to miss at least 10 days. They also are going to be without all-star catcher Wilson Contreras. He's going to miss at least four weeks with a grade 2 hamstring strain this is a tough blow for the cubs who are trying to pull away in the central from the cardinals from the brewers it's a tight race they were starting to pull away but it's going to be a little bit more difficult without their closer and all-star catcher seattle mariners they've had a tough go of things they have been what no hit twice almost three times again this past week and now they are going to be without C uh without tim beckham their infielder, he was suspended 80 games for a PED violation. He tested positive for Stanazol, Stanazolol. There, I'm not really sure what that is, but um, there, since there are only 48 games left for the Mariners this season, he will have to serve the remaining 32 games in 2020. And then uh, let's talk about this kid, Bo Bichetti, for the Toronto Blue Jays. My goodness, just 21-year-old uh, shortstop. Bichetti has started his career off unbelievably. I mean, setting historic records. He made history with his 10th extra base hit in his first nine games of his career. It's something that has never been done before. He also has more hits than any Blue Jay in their first nine games ever, 17 of them to be exact. 
and since being called up, Toronto is six and two. This was at the time um, that I wrote this, but um, I don't think they're six and two anymore because the Yankees won yesterday. Although they are winning today, and Bichette hit a monster home run off Domingo Herman yesterday. But hey, the Blue Jays they decide to go all in on this rebuild, and I'd say give them a few years, and because they have a lot of young young talent. I mean, it's scary. Okay, let's talk about the Yankees. Glaber Torres is dealing with that core issue. So on Sunday night, after they swept the Boston Red Sox, that's right, baby, the New York Yankees swept the Boston Red Sox. They are one of the hottest teams in baseball. So Glaber, after that game on Sunday night, he went to the hospital with what was deemed a core injury. The team waited for him before flying to Baltimore. They get to Baltimore Monday morning. All of a sudden... Glaber Torres is in the lineup, albeit DHing, but in the lineup against the Baltimore Orioles, one of the worst teams in baseball. It was, it didn't make much sense. He went over four in that game, and then Tuesday he's in, he's in the lineup again, but by the third inning he has to be removed with that core injury. Unbelievable! It makes no sense why Aaron Boone put him in the lineup. This was a perfect opportunity to rest Glaber for a couple of days. You don't let a player, you know, finagle his way into the lineup and say, oh, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You don't do that. You've got to look out for the future of this team. And, and um, excuse me, Glaber has been the only guy in the starting lineup that hasn't missed time with due to injury. And now look at it. He's missing time, and he hasn't played – I don't believe since Tuesday, but the update was that he will not be going on the IL and that he is day-to-day. Well, we all know how that works out. And then before I forget, um, let's bring up some injury news for the Yankees, hopefully some good news. Um, I believe Gary Sanchez is ready to be called up. He could play any day now um, coming back from injury, so that's good. CC will throw a bullpen session this weekend. Okay, John Carlos Stanton has started throwing and hitting off a tee. He's still running on on an Ultra G treadmill, whatever the hell that is. Okay, Luis Severino, this is the big one. He threw off a mound today, about 20 to 30 pitches, mostly fastballs, couple change-ups. The key is going to be whether or not he feels any pain tomorrow. But here's the problem. He is a month to a month and a half out of realistically pitching again for the New York Yankees. That is staggering, and that is scary because we don't know if he returns what he's going to return at. 75%, 85%, 95%, is he going to be 100%? Nobody really knows, and the Yankees are really banking on him coming back and pitching at an all-star level. And I don't know that we're going to see that if we see him at all at this rate. Um, So very scary to think about that. But like I said, they should be getting some of these guys back shortly. Um, The injuries, I just, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. The Yankees have an entire all-star team basically on IL. It's insane. It's insane. But anyway... They continue to win. They have won nine straight, although they're probably going to lose tonight if the game didn't already end. I think it did. Um, They lost to the Blue Jays tonight. But they had won nine straight, 
and they're in Toronto now since yesterday, but um, as the Mets continue to unwind here in the ninth on a passed ball, scores another another run. It's 6-3, to three, Washington, with two outs in the ninth. Um, the Yankees have been mashing at an historic pace via the long ball in Baltimore. They have loved playing the Orioles this season. Stark contrast to last season where they just couldn't get it done against the Orioles. But my goodness, they set a historic record. They hit 50. They have hit 52 home runs against the Orioles this season. The rec- And they still have, I believe, four more games left against the Orioles. The previous record for home runs against one opponent in a single season was 48, and that was set by the Yankees in 1956. The Yankees also had three straight games with five-plus home runs before last night, where they only hit, I believe, three or four. Just unbelievable. The only other team to have three straight games of five-plus home runs was the 1977 Red Sox, who, coincidentally enough, they did it against the Yankees. And staying on the topic of the Yankees, you heard that clip, that Field of Dreams commercial, or whatever you promo you want to call it. The MLB announced yesterday that the Yankees and White Sox are going to play in a Field of Dreams game in Iowa at the site of the movie, Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. It's a movie from the late 80s. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. You need to go watch it. The game will take place on August 13th in one year from now in Dyersville, Iowa. And per Sports Illustrated, the MLB will soon begin construction on an 8,000-seat stadium. They won't play at the famous Field of Dreams uh, field in the, by the cornfield, but the, um, they will be building the stadium right next to it. The famous corn, though, will still be present, and the design of the stadium is going to be similar to that of Comiskey Park, where the White Sox played from 1910 to 1990. And uh, speaking of the Mets, I have them on right now because that's the game on that's still on. The Yankees game is not. The Mets are on fire. I I thought the Yankees were on fire. The Mets have had the best record in baseball since the All-Star break, like 18, 19, and 6, something like that. Had won 12 of 13 or or so coming into tonight, moved to within half a game of that wild card spot. That's why this series right now for the Mets this weekend is so huge for this team because the Nationals hold that wild card, one of those wild card spots, I believe the top wild card spot, and the Mets being just half a game out, this could be the series that they're playing for their playoff lives. Marcus Stroman pitched in this one. He was okay, gave up, I believe, three runs. Um, the Mets just started to to lose it here in the ninth. But, wow, Mets and Yankees, it's been fun to watch. The two hottest teams in baseball, and I hate to say it, but I'm actually pulling for the Mets, but I, I know what I'm going to see. I mean, Alonzo's hit a home run in four straight games. Uh, J.D. Davis has been on fire. They The pitching has been stellar. But for Mets fans, it's going to be tragedy all over again. They are going to shatter your hopes and dreams, and they're going to get oh so close before fading right at the end, and they're going to end up missing the playoffs, as sad as that is. A couple quick pointers. The Twins, this just came in a few hours ago. They have lost Nelson Cruz, their slugger. 
He was placed on the 10-day IL. He ruptured his ECU tendon in his left wrist. Not really sure exactly what that is. It happened on a swing yesterday. Um, And as J.D. Davis hits a double down the line to start off the ninth inning for the Mets, here we go off Sean Doolittle. Mets might have something going on here. Could make it interesting. So it's a tough loss for the Twins. Let's get back to Nelson Cruz. He has been arguably the best hitter in baseball for a couple weeks now. Since July 20th, he had he's leading the league with 14 home runs and hitting a ridiculous like 394. And the Twins, this is a tough time to lose their best hitter because they are probably the biggest surprise in baseball this season. No one expected the Twins. Okay, so two years ago, the Twins were in the wild card game against the Yankees. Yankees eliminated them. Last year, they completely imploded and were one of the worst teams in baseball. And now this year, under first-year head coach Rocco Baldelli, they have absolutely turned things around. They are a home-run hitting machine, um, probably and in all likelihood going to set the home-run record for home runs in a season. I've talked about that. I think I brought it up last week. So, yeah, big blow for the... For the um, Minnesota Twins, who are trying to make a run, and oh my god, Wilson Ramos with a base hit, they're going to hold Davis at third, and it is first and third, nobody out for the Mets, I'll keep you guys posted as I watch this in the background, so yeah, that basically does it for our baseball segment, as far as I can tell, let me just double check what's going on right now. So yeah, the Yankees they did lose eight to two. You have the Red Sox; they're up twelve to four on the Angels. Okay, um, let me see really fast here. Excuse me. Oh, um, last thing I did want to note: a couple months ago, two months I think it was, the Astros were playing the Cubs. And Albert Almora Jr. hit one into the stands and hit that two-year-old little girl who fractured her skull. Well, it's been two months. And finally, the Astros, they released um, some photos showing that they are going to extend and upgrade the netting down the line to the foul poles to protect fans. So that is good to hear. And I fully expect by season's end or by at the latest by next season, every single team... Every single Major League ballpark will have extended netting as Todd Frazier swings through that one. Count as one and one. So that's good there. Okay, we will take another quick short break. That was a pretty painless segment. And we'll come back, talk NBA, and wrap this thing up. Try to keep it around the hour mark. All right, be right back. Wow. NBA is up right now. But as I sit here, I just had an oh my God moment. Because Todd Frazier, the Todd father, just hit a three-run bomb to tie this game up. Six apiece, bottom nine in New York, at City Field, no outs. The Nats are reeling, and the Mets are going crazy. You would think I'm a Mets fan right now. I hate the Mets, but I'm actually enjoying this. I don't know what it is. Maybe because... I'm just so used to the Yankees winning every damn night despite all the injuries that it's just gotten boring. And I'm looking for something else to root for. And the Mets have become the story of baseball right now. This is unbelievable. 
So it is six to six, bottom nine. Todd Frazier just got a pitch out over the middle and he completely smoked it. So um, let's continue with the NBA and I will I will continue to update you. That just hooked inside the foul pole. That was so close, but wow. All right, we will start with Draymond Green. I talked about how he got a, a max $100 million uh, contract extension a week ago. Well, we, we found out about the details of this contract a little bit. He is able to opt out of his deal a year early. So after year three, he can opt out. And he why is that significant? He's the first Warrior player of the trio of Steph, Clay, and, and now Draymond that have all received max contracts. But he's the first that uh, received a player option on his long-term deal. So he can opt out in 2023. All right, next up, Vince Carter. We all know that Vince Carter, at 42 years old, he he voiced his opinion, wanted to return for another season of basketball. Well, he is officially going to be returning. The Atlanta Hawks signed him back to a one-year deal. He played with them last season. It's worth noting, if he plays in a game after January 1st, he will become the first player in history. This is unbelievable. I think that was Joe Panic, who, by the way, I forgot to mention that, the New York Mets picked up Joe Panic, who was recently released by the Giants. They wanted to uh, DFA him, uh, send him down for assignment, but he refused. They released him, and the Mets made a big-time move since uh, Robinson Cano went on the IL. They pick up Panic, and he gets a base hit. Sean Doolittle has yet to record an out so what does that mean? You all know that what that means, fantasy owners. His ERA and WHIP are in infinite right now. In fantasy, it would say INF next to Sean Doolittle. That is never a good sign. So back to uh, Vince Carter. If he plays in a game after January 1st, he will become the first player in history to play in four different decades, which is insane. Okay, there was a... A, a, a little a little rule that was handed down by the NCAA, and it is a new policy, if you will, and it requires incoming NBA player agents. So basically, back this up a second, Zion Williamson, guys leaving college, going to the NBA. Okay, they hire agents as they leave for as they leave college ahead to the NBA. The NCAA is now making a policy change that is going to require these agents to have college degrees. You are probably thinking, well, that doesn't seem that unfair or whatever because I'm don't they all have college degrees? Oh my god, uh he's out. So the Mets just tried to sack bunt, and the bunt was not very good, and they throw panic out at second. So one away, man on first in the ninth here. Um, well, the problem with this is, and LeBron voiced his opinion, LeBron's agent is Rich Paul. Rich Paul does not have a college degree. So LeBron tweeted out, all he said was, hashtag the Rich Paul rule. That's what many people are starting to call this. They're calling it the Rich Paul rule. They're saying they did this because of Rich Paul. And not only is Rich Paul one of the highest sought-after agents in the NBA right now, he is LeBron's agent. He is also the agent for Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, and Ben Simmons, among others. 
So it's a very interesting rule. Not many people are too happy about this, but that is um, something that I thought you all should know. All right, the big thing that we need to talk about is the all-decade teams being announced. We had earlier in the week the NBA, I think NBA.com it was, released a list of their first team, second team, third team, all NBA for the decade, for the last 10 years, okay? And you need to take a listen to what my man Max Kellerman had to say on first take the other day. This was absolutely ludicrous. So take a listen to this. It's not that Kobe's on the third team that's the outrage. It's that he's on any of these teams at all. That is the outrage. That's an outrage. My man said that Kobe Bryant should be on all NBA worst team. Are you kidding me? So let me break this down for you really quickly. First team all decade, you had Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard. Second team all decade, you had Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony. And then third team, you had Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Paul George, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Giannis. And my man said that he should be all NBA worst team. That is unbelievable. Okay, so maybe over the last 10 years, Kobe wasn't at peak Kobe performance. But Kobe Bryant is a Hall of Famer, one of the best players in the history of the game. There has been nobody better in the NBA in my lifetime. So when I have been alive. I wasn't really alive for the MJ days. I mean, I was. I was a little too young to really see that. That was more of the end of his career. But from the time that I watched, that I knew basketball, that I really paid attention and knew what I was watching, fifteen last 15, 20 years, nobody's been better than Kobe Bryant. It's not even close. Don't give me none of that. And I'm shocked that Kobe is on the third team. He should probably be on the first team because he's a a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best top 10 players ever, you could argue. And for Max Kellerman, you had to see um, Molly, and and I believe, I forget who it was, um, that was Ryan Clark maybe was filling in on first take. It was a ghost squad there. Um, No Stephen A that day. They practically walked off the set because of how ludicrous this was of Max Kellerman to say. If you want to see the the full thing, you could go find it on YouTube. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's like maybe six between six and eleven minutes, something like that, of Max Kellerman just going off on why Kobe Bryant is so bad and why he deserves to be all NBA dec- uh, worst team, like all decade worst team, like just a joke, an absolute joke. And speaking of jokes, I cannot believe that Carmelo Anthony still has not found a team. Went on with um, Stephen A. last week and talked about everything that's been going on, the Houston Rockets saga, all that stuff. Well, it came out this week that Melo wanted to play for Team USA, but apparently Jerry Colangelo wasn't having any of it. He was told that he would be a distraction. A distraction to who? Team USA right now is a joke. Every time I turn around, 
You have somebody dropping like a fly from this team. The latest was Julius Randle, who's not even a, a well-known name in the NBA. I mean, none of the superstars are playing for Team USA. No Anthony Davis, no LeBron, none of the superstar players as um, Rosario gets a base hit and it is first and second, two outs for the Mets. Base hit, they could win this game. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about that for a second. I think it's an absolute joke that Carmelo Anthony isn't being allowed to play on Team USA. This would be a good time for him to showcase his skill level and prove that he still has the ability to play at a high level and play on an NBA team. I still believe he will get on a roster for next season, but man, they're doing um, Mello dirty. And shame on Colangelo and shame on Team USA for saying that Mello would be a distraction. No, Mello would bring the fans and he would bring viewership because like I said, there's no big names on this team right now. And as it stands, I won't watch it. I, I'm not going to watch a single game, okay, because there's no big-name talent on this team. All right, that is it for the NBA. Real quick, let's just uh, follow up with some uh, a, a few things that I wanted to get to. We had a pro cyclist. There was some tragedy on the course. This guy, Bjorg Lambert, he died Monday, sadly, after a crash on the third leg of the Tour de Polonia. He was just 22 years old. They say weather uh, may have played a role in this accident as it was raining throughout the day. He was resuscitated at the scene, but on the way to the hospital, he reportedly died. But he reportedly died. So, um, yeah, sad news there. And then let's talk the Northern Trust. You can watch that finishing up this weekend tomorrow, uh, Saturday and Sunday. But Tiger Woods, he struggled mightily in this tournament. Okay, we all know that his um, body is an issue. It's been breaking down. We don't know how much longer he's able to go. He can't play in many tournaments. He's only played in like two tournaments since his Masters win. Well, he shot a four over 75 on Thursday, which out of 120 players, that was good for 119th. And then in the middle of his round today, he had to withdraw due to a mild oblique strain. So not looking good for Tiger Woods. Um, I don't even know. Let me check to see who's winning. The Oh my God. The Mets just walked it off. You have got to be kidding me. Michael Conforto just hit a laser beam over the right fielder's head. And the Mets just came back and scored four runs in the ninth inning to beat the Washington Nationals. This is unreal. Uh, they are probably now tied with the Nationals for a wild card spot right now. I'm gonna have to check the updated standings after this. After I'm done with the podcast, this is unbelievable what the Mets are doing right now. They are the hottest team in baseball. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Okay, so um, back to what did I say? I was gonna look into the uh, Northern Trust. This is getting a little sloppy here. Uh, let's see. Um, sorry, let me see, let me see, let me see. Okay, uh, the Northern Trust, right? 
This is, by the way, the Northern Trust. It is taking place in Jersey City, New Jersey. I've been there before. Dustin Johnson is winning through two rounds at 12 under. Jordan Spieth is at 11 under. Patrick Reed, 10 under. Uh, John Rahm's at 10 under. Bunch of guys, Rose, Ustase, and Rory are all up there. So there you have that. You can watch that finish up this weekend. A um, couple other things I want to talk about. Let, uh, real quick, last couple things. Colin Kaepernick. I'm, you know I'm not... Uh, a fan of his. I don't stand for what he believes in. The fact that he kneels for the national anthem, I think is disgusting and disgraceful, but that is his right. That is his opinion. He has not been in the league. He has not been on an NFL team in three years. He posted a little clip or a little like video montage on Twitter with the caption of 5 a.m., five days for three years, still ready. And listen, Say what you want about Kaepernick. I hate him. I thought this was impressive. I mean, he's in the gym every day working out at 5 a.m., five days a week, trying to prove that he deserves a shot back in the NFL. There is no, no question, there hasn't been any question for the past three years that Kaepernick can play in this league. Every time a new team in the league has a quarterback issue where they are terrible, the question becomes should we bring in Colin Kaepernick and he continues to say he refuses to not to stop his kneeling and protesting so teams won't bring him in but um I just wanted to say I was a little mildly surprised because I would have I mean it's got to be tough I mean I would have probably hung it up by now but he is dedicated and he's still going strong so hey kudos to him and then uh Last but not least, the Little League World Series is basically underway. We have the regionals. Teams are getting into the Little League World Series. While the kids from Elizabeth, New Jersey, Almora, I believe they're called, they are headed to the Little League World Series after beating the kids from uh, Washington, D.C. tonight. And um, that's Kyrie Irving's neck of the woods in Elizabeth. Um, Really, Elizabeth, New Jersey is known for their powerhouse basketball team, St. Patrick's High School, which it did close down in 2012, but that's where Kyrie Irving went and played basketball. Um, Many other NBA players went through St. Patrick. They won many a tournament of champions. So congrats to the kids from Elizabeth, New Jersey, headed to the Little League World Series. I think they're going to play a team from New York, from what I saw. So that's cool. And then uh, what do we have on later today and this weekend? You've got, like I said, you've got the Northern Trust. You've got um, UFC Fight Night, which is tomorrow. That's uh, Carmuche versus Shevchenko. You've got the Little League World Series. Um, You've got the Rogers Cup. Tennis, which is for all, you know, that's the big one. Um, That's where the top tennis players in the world square off in both Toronto and Montreal in both men's and women's championship doubleheader. You've got the Phillies at Giants. That's Sunday night baseball. Of course, you've got the Mets and the Nationals. This series just became unbelievably um, intriguing now that the Mets were able to win this. Okay, with that being said, let's get to our final spot on this date in sports, which I end every show with. August 9th, 1988. On that date, the Edmonton Oilers traded Wayne the Jet Gretzky to the Los Angeles Kings in a move that caused at least one Canadian politician to demand that the government intervene and prevent this trade. Um, 
it was basically Wayne Gretzky, everybody knows, greatest hockey player to ever live. This was the biggest trade in NHL history. And if you have ESPN+, Plus, you can go watch uh, King's Ransom, it's called. I believe that's a 30 for 30 that goes into detail on Wayne Gretzky, this whole trade, everything. Really cool. And then last but not least, before I end this, I do want to give a big shout out to my man, Robert Frank, 615. He has been very sick. He's dropped like 15 pounds in the last week and a half or so. He went on a trip to Bermuda and has been sick as a dog ever since. He finally went to the doctor's office. He never goes to the doctor. If you listen to Glorious House of Gains, you know he never goes to the doctor. He has a million issues wrong. Finally went to the doctor, thought he had the flu. In fact, he has pneumonia. So he's on some antibiotics. Hopefully he can get better. Um, and he will be present at next Thursday's ep- uh, Glorious House of Gains episode because he was not there um, yesterday if you guys listened to that. So I just want to give him a big sh- give him a big shout out. Get better soon. Rob, um, hopefully I'll see you next week. With that being said, guys, this has been episode 62 of This Week in Sports. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Hit me up with a comment. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm on just about every single platform. Please subscribe to This Week in Sports as well as Glorious House of Gains. Have a good night. Have a great weekend. I will see you back here next Friday. Pody out.